0: Today's episode of GM Street is brought to you by Snickers. Just lost to that guy who auto-drafted, screaming at the TV again because someone who can't hear you dropped an open pass, just dropped your RB1 for a kicker, thought your fantasy draft was a good first date idea. You were probably just blindsided by hunger. Luckily, Snickers is here to pick up your sorry butt off the turf and get you back in the game. And get back on your game with NFL Hunger Bars from Snickers. And we'd also like to tell you about NFL Sunday Ticket from DirecTV. Good news, NFL fans, DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available or you're a student actively enrolled in a college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. To see if you're eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Again, the promo code is RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, to save 15% on DirecTV. All right, let's get into GM Street. Welcome to GMTree, part of the Winger Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, it is September 4th, and I am sitting across the great Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing?
1: I'm great, Tate Fraser. First week of the NFL season, gotta be exciting. A lot of things going on around the NFL. I mean, September is truly the best month of the year. It's like Christmas. Yes. But it's better than Christmas.
0: Yes, Earth, Wind & Fire will be very happy about the fact that we are now officially in September. There's a lot of stuff going on. I feel like we've been previewing the NFL for quite some time, at least you know four or five weeks at this point, but now it is officially here. Uh, we have probably the biggest talking point of the preseason, and that is the Derek Carr, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, the 2014 class that's over. They changed the culture in Oakland, and now Oakland is getting rid of Khalil Mack. They trade him to the Chicago Bears. Uh, Derek Carr came out. He was not very excited about that, but you know, did say it was a business. But now we have the new-look Oakland Raiders. Uh, they are not the team of old. They are John Gruden's team. And now we have the new-look Bears, who are now impacted by the fact that they have Floyd and Mack on the outside, and they have real pass rushers to go against Aaron Rodgers and Cousins and— even you know you know some other people uh, around the NFL because now they have a real pass rush. But all in all, the Khalil Mack trade. Let's talk about just the, the yeah. bare bones of what went, went, what went down there.
1: Well, I think this. I think the, the Raiders are faced with two situations. They keep franchise him. He wasn't coming for the franchise tag. Do they pay a player over twenty million per year? And. I say this giving Gruden the benefit of the doubt, because I think I know Gruden pretty well, having worked with him in Philadelphia and spending a lot of time with him in Oakland. Gruden didn't want to pay a player over $20 million. And so I wrote a column, and I talked about all those things, about how it was more Patriot-like. And people say, well, no, no, no. It's not Patriot-like. The Patriots would never trade some young defensive lineman in his prime who could rush the pass it. Time out, Tate Frazier. They did. Chandler Jones. Yeah. He I've was 26 <laughs> years old. He had 36 and a half sacks. Max got 40 at the same time. I mean, they're both four years. They're very close. The last two seasons, Chandler Jones has 28 sacks in two years. He's been a dominant player for the Arizona Cardinals. So yeah, the this is what the Patriots do. They did it with Richard Seymour. They did it with Chandler Jones. The Patriots don't want to pay players in that astronomical range unless he plays quarterback. Understanding. The, the Raiders are taking the same approach, I think. And I'm a little bit worried that what I believe to be true, Gruden doesn't have enough discipline to hold on to it.
0: And we should say the Raiders as it stands right now under John Gruden. So they've had a complete roster overall. They have 31 players right now who are not on the 53-man roster last year. So that's where we're at as far as what the Raiders will look like. We joked about this in the offseason about John Gruden is going to make his mark. He's going to make his stamp on what the Raiders will move will look like moving forward. And he already is.
1: Right. I mean, he walks in, he gets the job and, you know, Max on the team and the year that they went to the playoffs, they gave up four, over 400 points and mm-hmm. Mac was on the team. He had 10 and a half sacks. And I'm told reliably that Gruden was was like, look, we got we need more than just one player to fix this defense. I think the key component here is the Raiders' 2015 to 2017 drafts. They did very little. They don't have very many players on that team. The team is really talent depleted. And so if they put all the money into, into, into Carr and put all the money into Mac, there's not a lot of money left for other players. And you got to draft well. Now that's going to be on Gruden. He's going to have to draft well. But to me, the weird thing of this whole dynamic is Reggie McKenzie's the title of general manager. Well, John Gruden got $100 million, Tate Frazier. He got a 10-year contract, got $100 million. He can do anything he wants to do. He fired two guys in the video department that have been there since they were in their teens. Okay. He fired those two guys because he wanted to change the video department. Again, it's his privilege. He's got the hundred million. He's got all the power, but when you get rid of lifetime Raider employees and you can do that, you have control of everything. And I think that's what he does. And so look, what drove me crazy this weekend and makes me worried about everything is when Gruden come out and said I had no idea about the twos being thrown in the deal. Come on, John, really seriously, like stand up and be a man about it. Like this is what we did. This is why we did it. We think it's in the best interest of the team. I'm changing the culture here because culture wins.
0: Mm-hmm. And how much uh, does Reggie McKenzie come in and say? Why are you saying that out publicly to the world? Or is there what? What is the back-channeling that's going on there?
1: I don't know what the dynamic is in the building. I mean, they have they've hired a, a scout, David Rosano, who worked for the coaches and kind of sets up his own personnel department and then the raiders have their own personnel department over there and i'm not sure it's a little bit like maybe like the cia and the fbi maybe they're not talking to one another that's how bin laden got away with so much crap uh, and so, you know, maybe that's what's going on. But for me, look, John has to, this is the, the bigger issue here, Tay Fraser, is John has to stop being the offensive coordinator. John will have white mark all over his fingers. He'll draw all the cards, okay? He'll f- do all the practice scripts. John wants to be the offensive coordinator, but he gave up that right. Mm-hmm. He gave up that right when he took the $100 million. He gave up that right when he took a 10-year contract. He get Now he's the king of all kings. He's over the... The whole organization. So part of his day has to be spent as general manager. Part of his day has to be spent as head coach. And some part of his day has to be spent as offensive coordinator. I don't begrudge him for that. But he just can't be drawing cards and sitting in his office in the darkness and filling out scripts and worried about the offense. He's got to think globally at 35,000 feet. This is what worries me most about what the Raiders are doing.
0: And what they're thinking about, obviously, is Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to be the centerpiece. We, 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 centerpiece of this offense. We know when he got that big deal. Obviously, Gabe Jackson got a, a five Year fifty six million dollar extension as well. Uh, defensive tackle uh, Jelly Ellis also got an extension. So once all those guys were getting paid, the writing on the wall was there. And then Adam Schefter reported that Gruden said that the Raiders offered to Mac that was made back in March did not come close to his hundred. He got a six year one hundred forty one million dollar deal, ninety million guaranteed from the Bears. He said it didn't come close to that. Obviously, Aaron Donald gets paid. That sets the market, and then Mac gets his offer based on that. Basically. Right.
1: I mean they made it. They're, they just weren't going to be able to afford him. Now I think here's the key component to all of this. What do they do with Amari? Cooper? Are they going to pay Amari Cooper in the Beckham deal? Are they going to pay Amari Cooper like Sammy Watkins at sixteen million a year? Because if they do that, if they make that decision and they put all those cap resources into Amari Cooper, then why wouldn't you just go a little extra further and sign a better player in Mac? Right? Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? To me, it doesn't make any sense. So it's going to be interesting to see. That's what I'm worried about: the discipline and control of what Gruden does. Look, I'll let him get away with. I hear people talking about, well, Max a Hall of Fame player. They traded a Hall of Fame player. Look, I get all those things. Max a really good player. Chandler Jones is a really good player, too. Nobody's giving Belichick heat about trading Chandler Jones, okay? I'm giving Gruden the benefit of the doubt here. But when he if he decides to change his philosophy, because this isn't a light item d- decision. You either have to have a core belief of how you want to run your team financially, or you don't. So you can't do it. If a guy gets to so many, so much money, even if you love the receiver, you can't you gotta find another receiver. And what drives me crazy, and I always did about John, all these guys talk about their West Coast offense guys, right? Mm-hmm. They have like on my desk, the book of Bill Walsh. If you know, they all have the book of Bill, and we all should have the book of Bill. There's no one greater than Bill Walsh. However, that being said, Bill believed this. Bill believed you never fixed. The wide receiver position on your team until it was the rest of the team was complete. He did not think he was never putting resources in a, He thought he could make receivers and manage it a little bit like New England thinks. Okay, but Gruden doesn't think that way. Gruden wants old. I mean, he signs Brandon LaFell. Mm-hmm. He's going to hate Brandon LaFell in two weeks. Trust me, <laughs> he'll drop two balls. He'll hate him. But the point is, he has to change his dynamic. And if he doesn't do that, then this is all going to just blown up in his face. And we know what John's like as a GM. We've seen him in Tampa. Bruce Allen had the title of GM. That's a crock of crap. John was running it. Bruce Allen's never walking into John Gruden's office, say, John, this is what we're going to do. Just pay attention to this. No chance. Mm-hmm. So I, I think to me, when he was out of football, did he come up with a philosophy? I'm getting the benefit of the doubt here. I'm just not sold on it.
0: We do know that he was watching game tape from the 60s, watching some George Blanda tape, so I'm sure he's got some things in his mind what he wants to do with these guys. Uh, he probably wishes George Blanda could play his 28th season in football at this point. I will say Martavis Bryant is another name to keep in. He gets cut. Uh, a guy that a lot of people were excited about coming to open. They gave up and,
1: a third-round pick for the guy.
0: Exactly. So now he's out. LaFell gets signed on Monday. Now he's in. And you look at that receiving core, and like you said, I mean, Cooper's our number one guy. I guess, you know, LaFell, we'll see what works out yeah, but well, they tried to. Brian Hurts,
1: they tried to trade Holton, the, the one receiver. Mm-hmm. They tried they tried to trade trade
0: Switzer. Obviously, the Steelers they
1: traded Switzer after they traded for Switzer. I mean, mm-hmm. that was ended up didn't really cost them a lot of things. They traded, you know, you know, they traded. Uh, they they've got the other receiver in the slot, Holton, and then the kid from West Alabama. So they've got a guys they try to trade all summer. But they couldn't get anything for them. So they got it, they're stuck with them. For me, it really comes down to Gruden's ability to how is he going to manage the team? Look, I think this what this told us, and what Gruden was telling people privately before he came to Oakland was he didn't think Oakland's talent base was very good. One playoff game in the last five years, and they lost it. Carr got hurt. You know, they put a lot of resources in the offensive line, especially inside, which screws up your cap. And when you start paying guards, the amount of money they're paying guards and center will time out. So what this is really just a reflection of what Gruden believed before he got there. He didn't think this was a great team and he saw a team give up 400 points and go to the playoffs. He was going to he's going to change it let him have time to change it. Let him see what he does.
0: And we should say, I mean, I, I talked about that 2014 draft and we remember, you know, Matt goes early in the first round and then the fourth pick of the second round is Derek Carr. When they came out, the the, the Raiders had not had a winning season since 2002, since, since Gruden had been there before. And then now they,
1: no they, that was Gruden's. That was our the, oh, one yeah, year they, without Gruden. Yeah, That was, uh, we're so that already was Bill paid. Callahan's he, that's season. That's
0: once he goes to the, the Buccaneers right. and ends up playing them in the end. But at the end of the day, you look at this team and what they are, they have changed the culture and the idea that they, they are trying to expect themselves to win, you know, 10 games as opposed to what they were doing before with Carr, but they have to almost reset everything. And now it looks like they're playing more so for 2020 than they are playing for 2018.
1: Right. I think they are doing that, but I think he's going to manage the team in a way to where he's going to run the ball. The quarterback's going to play better for him. I mean, Mm -hmm. you I go through that whole dissertation about Gruden can't be the offensive coordinator. But the one thing I do know about Gruden, he will make the quarterback play better. There's no doubt about that. I wrote about it in the book. I mean, I talked about Gruden in the book, his style of leadership. He has this unique ability to tell the tell he has no players, and then it's his coaching that makes the players better. It's his I don't mean it in a vicious way towards John at all. It's just his way of motivating himself to get himself ready to come in at four in the morning, whatever time at 318, whatever the freaking time he comes in. You know, to do his job. So they will be better on offense. And I think Paul Gunther's a really good defensive coach. I think they're better. They need to get better at defensive tackle. They like Arden Key. They're, they had. A, they feel like they had a good draft. So there's some positives. Like this isn't all doom and gloom that everybody wants to suspect. This They just made a financial decision that happens in New England all the time. The problem is Belichick's won Super Bowls doing it. John's got to prove to people he can do it.
0: He did one, win one Super Bowl, we remember, in Tampa Bay but, going you know, that against his was, old team. You know, and that was Dungy's team, right? <laughs> yeah, so that course. was
1: Dungy's team. Yep. He's got to prove to people that he can operate as the head coach and general manager of his own team. And to do that, you just can't be writing scripts. You got to be able to be global. You got to be able to do the things that you can do. You got to be De Niro. You got to be the CEO. Right. So like, you know, well, you say, well, what's Pete Carroll do? Well, Pete Carroll's got John Schneider. They're kind of joined at the hip. Right now, there's nobody joined at John's hip. He can play nice with Reggie, but we all know where this Reggie McKenzie era is going to go in in, in Oakland. It's going to eventually come to an end very quickly. And once that happens, then John's going to have to make a decision on who's his personnel guy, who's he trusts, and who will listen to and who can help him become a better GM and become a better coach. To me, that's the challenge.
0: And let's look at the other side of this trade and let's talk about where the Bears are. And, and, and as far as the odds, I mean, and obviously this is not against all odds with Cousin Sal. We're not talking just gambling stuff, but just looking at the way that Khalil Mack affected the Bears and, and their outlook in Vegas. So their Super Bowl odds move from 50 to 1 to 40 to 1. The NFC odds are 21 to 18 to 1. NFC North, 9 to 1 to 7 to 1. And the win total jumps from 6 and half and a half. At one point now, it's up to seven and a half. Just looking at the Bears, I mean, now you got Floyd and now you got Mack, as I mentioned before on the edge with those guys. you got Mitchell Trubisky, a, a guy that they seem to believe in. They think that they can throw him out there. Cohen and Howard in the backfield. I mean, there are things bright side. Kevin White is now showing signs that he may be able to be he the scored player. That, a touchdown. Why not? Exactly. So, look at that Bears team. I mean, there's a chance that they can really make a run now with, with Mack on their team.
1: Well, I think this. When you build a defense, you want to build a defense that you have enough guys in your front seven that can defeat single blocks when it comes time. To- to pass rush and Akeem Hicks can defeat a single block L- L- Leonard Floyd perhaps can defeat one Mac definitely can so mm-hmm. they've got guys that can do that and that makes them much better and then when you look at their schedule Tay Frazier I mean they play the AFC East and in the AFC East it's unique in the sense when you really break them down you know you break down quarterbacks like you know when I'm going through week one's uh I'm going through week one season, right? And so when you break down like last year, Houston, this year, Houston, the Houston Texans, right? Okay. People, I don't know what their win total is, but here's the, here are the quarterbacks that the Houston Texans have to play. Tom Brady, Mariota, Manning, Luck, Prescott, Peterman, Bortles, Tannehill, Keenum, Alex Smith, Mariota, Mayfield, or Tyrod Taylor, Luck, Darnold, Wentz, Bortles. I mean, there's not a lot of you know. You're not playing the breezes, you know. You, Vegas has them at eight and a half. That's right. the number. So for the Texans. I mean, you can see it. Whereas Chicago, look what they're doing. I mean, they've got week four. They have might have Jameis Winston, right? Okay. Yep. Or they might just have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got Tannehill in week five. They come back. They got Brady. Then they got a rookie Sam Darnold. Then they got whether it's Peterman or Josh Allen, you know, and in so,
0: Buffalo against probably Peterman it, or Josh you Allen. Know,
1: so their, their schedule isn't like they can't, but here's the issue. Why you have to be careful. They play Minnesota twice. They play Green Bay twice. Can they win one of those four games? Can they win two of those four games? Cause they're going to need to do that to get over seven and a half. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to do that. And I think it all comes down to one guy. It comes down to their quarterback. Is he going to be good enough?
0: And you got to look at the last four games that they have too. So we got the Rams, the Packers, the 49ers, and the Vikings. That's how they wrap up the season. So those last four games, we're really going to see what this Bear team is really about. Especially if they,
1: we're going to see what Trubisky's really about.
0: Exactly. Maybe they let's say they open the season right week one, they take the Packers on, and the Packers aren't quite there, and the Bears get a nice upset. People get a lot excited. They're going to see them on the back end of the season, and we're really going to see where this right. team is.
1: I think for the Bears, most importantly than anything, to utilize their skill set on defense, and Vic Fangio is a really good coach and a really mm-hmm. good defense coordinator. To utilize their skill set, they have to have this absolute dedication to play from in front if they don't do that if they don't win the first quarter I mean and I mean win the first quarter last year the Saints I think the Saints were second in the league with 117 first quarter points the problem was they gave up 80 I'm talking about winning the first quarter i I want to see them win the first quarter get the lead, and if they can do that, then Mac becomes a better player. The reason why the Raiders are thirty three and forty six and Mac's five years there or during the five five year period is because the Raiders rarely could play from a lead. Mac couldn't be the player he needs to be to be most effective, and so the offense has to help Mac. And I think the symmetry is really important. And if they can do that, but a lot of it rests with Trubisky. I mean, they have a lot more faith in Trubisky than I do.
0: Well, at least the run game, they do have the run game. So if they're able to, to to do something where they can play the possession game, as we talked about, that twenty-six to thirty-two minute mark, trying to find that gap to get your defense less, you know, not not out there thirty-two minutes in the twenty-five to twenty-six minute range. Maybe there's a chance they have a little bit of the Eagles where our pass rush can really carry us right. uh, and a know. depth
1: of our defense, right? Exactly. And so that's what we're not talking about. We're talking about one player. And I think there's John's point. I need depth. Look, I I think Max a great player, and I I believe you know you have to have a philosophy when it comes to the salary cap. But they're playing all their odds on the Raiders' ability to draft and sign players, and Gruden's putting all his faith in that. We'll see how it works.
0: Let's talk about another star player in the league. A lot of people are uh, almost shockingly under the radar at this point, but Le'Veon Bell. He continues to no show. He is not signed with the Steelers. Uh, there was a report that came out that he was going to report on Labor Day um, from within the organization. At one point, Le'Veon came quickly right out of that thing. He even tweeted that that was not the case. That was not anything that he was going to do. Uh, we have Connor James. Connor who went to Pittsburgh, a guy that you know a lot of the fans like, and he's shown some really good signs. But as of now, uh, Le'Veon Bell is still sitting out. And there are some who believe that he will report on Wednesday, but still, as it stands right now, Le'Veon Bell um, is not with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is there anything to take away from this? And if you're Mike Tomlin, I mean, are you just kind of you know going about things as if you know Le'Veon's just not here, and we just got to move forward? I think
1: that he plays the role. Look, Le'Veon's not here. He's going to come in this week. He's not going to miss one seventeenth of his check. I mean, he's it's one seventeen of fourteen point five million dollars. I don't think you're going to miss one of those checks, right? But I think for the for, for the Steelers. Until he comes back and he's in shape, there's no sense putting him on the field. I mean, Mm -hmm. we saw it last year when he went to Cleveland. They couldn't move the ball, and they struggled to beat Cleveland, had to block a punt in Cleveland. You know, they really weren't very good offensively. They tried to get him in there. I think they got to take the approach that, look, this is part of doing business in the franchise era. He's going to come in. He's going to get his check. We're going to have to pay him his check. There's nothing we can do about it but he doesn't do us really any good on the field so we're going to take this cap hit and i think that's the message that bell wants to send to pittsburgh is look if you're going to be like this and you want to give me an extension then i'm not going to be able to play all 14 games 16 games you're going to have to pay me for 16 but i'm not playing 16
0: mm-hmm. and so when he comes to the building let's say he comes to the building on wednesday i mean are they going to work him out and give him a physical and just see where he's at or do, do they have any idea at where he stands well, i mean can, where, where is he working you know, out i mean
1: the, the money's guaranteed the franchise mm-hmm. once he signs it it becomes guaranteed so they they have no recourse. They have no recourse. They yeah, own, no matter what. I mean no he, can, he they could they be do.
0: sitting around eating Krispy Kreme donuts and doing whatever right. he wants. Most to, players
1: yeah. sign it because they don't want to, they they want that guarantee in their pocket. And I mean Le'Veon's gonna come in, he's got the guarantee. And now they're going to have to make a decision. And if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm taking the approach, really the law of three approach. Look, if he doesn't want to be here, put him in group three. I'm only going to worry about the guys in group one. And eventually, when Le'Veon is going to determine that I'm not paying attention to him because this team needs to win as a team, not with one player. You know, we need him, but when they put him on the field too early, we saw it—hamstring pulls, not the same guy. I again, I'm going to keep saying this until. blue in the face but i think september is an extension of the preseason and because of that I'm going to let Bell try to get ready to play.
0: And we have seen that, you know, Le'Veon has been able to quote unquote get game ready in five days. There was like a lot of stories written about that. So it's not, but he's not that, productive though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's on the field, but he's not productive. I mean, look, I mean, I mean this heat and humidity is going to be a factor. I mean, the greatest tennis player and one of the greatest tennis players in the world, Roger Federer lost to an unranked guy last night in New York at nine o'clock at night playing tennis. And he just said the heat, it just got me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that
0: I was just in New York City. It is absolutely so humid and so hot. So I understand Federer. It's not your right, fault,
1: right? It, you know, it's not because I mean, look, once you, once you lose it in these games, once you once you lose that, and you become like you have, no, you, you don't get it back. This mm-hmm. isn't like okay, I'm going to drink a Gatorade and recharge it. Yeah, it kind of goes oxygen, away.
0: The oxygen machine is not going to help you on the sideline.
1: No, I, I, it's it's a problem. So. You need depth in September. You need all your players in September. And Bell's going to go out there and after two or three, he's not going to be able to do it. I mean, Parcells used to make all his running backs carry the ball in preseason because he wanted to see if he could give them the ball in a regular season game where they weren't going to absolutely just fall off of the fall off the truck. I think that's important. And I think if they play Bell too early, it's only going to be a mistake.
0: We'll see what happens with uh, the Bell situation. We'll obviously keep an eye on that. And obviously, uh, James Connor is a guy to keep an eye on uh, if you are a Steelers fan because, like I said, James Connor has been a star are a star at Pittsburgh and uh, has been a star in preseason so far for those guys. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DirecTV. We want you to stream every NFL Sunday ticket live every Sunday. Even if we can't get DirecTV where we live because we want every play, even if we don't live in a house with a satellite because a lot of us live in apartments or on a college campus. But we still want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket. To see if you are eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. Again, that's promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R at checkout to save 15%. And we're also brought to you by MyBookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. It's official. It's week one. Put in your bets. I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar Use the promo code RingerNFL when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code RingerNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Back to GM Street. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. You mentioned depth and uh, at the position and, and the Miami Dolphins are a team that really believe in the depth of the quarterback positions. They still have four quarterbacks uh, on their roster. Like, what are they
1: doing? <laughs> Only Mike Tannenbaum knows. I mean, seriously, what is he doing? Like he's got, he, you know what? He has four quarterbacks on his team, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a backup quarterback. He has four, but he doesn't have a backup. He's got three third-string type quarterbacks, and that counts the heist Brock Osweiler. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, One so of our this, favorites. So why would you carry three third-string quarterbacks? Like, I get, like, the Jets had Bridgewater, have McCowan, and had Darnold. They have at least, they have three starters, perhaps at least Three seconds. Okay, I get that. I'm all for it. There's that. value in that quarterback. There's right. Value. But I mean, this Luke Falk, who can't throw the ball from me to you, mm-hmm. is a wobbly arm. I mean, look, <laughs> great story, great kid, but he can't drive the ball. That pocket closes down. It's over. Okay, David Fells, same thing. And then of course you got the you're carrying three players for what? You, I, I know he wants to look at Falk for a week before they cut him or look because he compares to falls or fails. I think it's fails.
0: It's fails. And then it fails and falls, you know, that yeah, I mean,
1: the... it's going to fall apart no matter what it is. Right. I mean, that to me, it's one of the dumbest things. Why are you doing this? Do you
0: think it's one of those things where he just wants to watch these other three guys just to make himself feel really good about Ryan Tannenbaum? Tannehill, Hill. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why I love I'm him so wearing, much. I, the I tan, think I'm rubbing off
1: on you. I think my inability to say names correctly <laughs> is rubbing off on you. I, I, I and I apologize for that sincerely. Take well, crazy. I just
0: thought he maybe maybe he is his you know his child at this point. You know, kept I mean, look, him.
1: I love the fact that they cut Carew, a guy they gave up three picks for. They had to have him in a draft, and now he's on the practice squad. Like, if Carew's not good enough, the receiver Carew's not good enough to be on the team. Then maybe you want you just admit the mistake and move on. I mean, so look, the one thing about the Miami Dolphins, I don't get what they're doing. Their team, this is going to be an interesting week this week, right? They're playing Tennessee. Tennessee's the worst kind of team for them to play. They're a power team. Tennessee wants to run the ball. I don't think the I don't think the Finns have a linebacker as big as Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Okay, now last year Mariota didn't play in that game. Last year Henry only carried the ball four times in a game. So. This could be a completely different game, but Miami, to me, is a team with no physicality, offensively or defensively, and it's going to remain to be seen. And now, with three third-string quarterbacks, you would think they could use, like, to me, when you have three third-strings, you're better off doing exactly what Dallas did. Well, Dallas is keeping three, but look, they don't want to get off of Connor Rush, but okay, fine, so at least we'll keep him and they kept Mike White the backup but for me I would go down to two quarterbacks cuz when you as John Madden so eloquently once said if you have a lot of something you got nothing Miami's mm-hmm. got no second string quarterback
0: and uh we're we're not just going to talk about uh, the Miami Dolphins and their quarterback situation there's a lot of big I mean ne- there's a
1: docu- there's a 30-30 on Mike Tannenbaum <laughs> <laughs> uh, about how we draft skill players and qu- I mean it should be a 30-30 At 30. least we
0: have a bright side right we got 2009 2010 uh with the Jets right we we have a little bit of a That man-genie. Yeah. That was man-genie. Yeah. <laughs> well let's talk about Davis Webb uh with the, with the Giants we were trying to figure out who was going. To be the uh, the guy to, to take the spot for Eli Manning eventually when he rides off into the sunset. We're obviously you know still far from that point. Davis Webb gets cut. He will now sign with the New York Jets practice squad. Right, right. that's his new uh, that's his new home. But j- just look, at, we're going to go through a bunch of these guys that have been like. Oh, but first off, Davis Webb, he goes out with the Giants. I mean, what does that mean? I think
1: people were really shocked by it, I, and, and I wasn't because I thought he plays slow. I think the problem with college football and spread. People say, well, he knows the spread game. Well, first of all, the spread game is very simplistic in terms of the. Protections. The spread game is very easy. The windows are so big. Brett Favre talked about this, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. Great quarterbacks, you know, good, an average quarterback can throw the ball through the door. A good quarterback can hit the doorknob, and the great ones throw it through the keyhole. Well, Webb, to me, watching him this summer, was a door thrower. Uh, he, he The windows had to be expansive. He wasn't fitting the ball into anything, mm-hmm. and he needed time. And the biggest concern watching him play, there was really not a lot of anticipation. Like, did he anticipate the route coming open and through the ball?
0: He's not throwing people
1: open. He's not throwing people open. He, the game was moving too fast for him. Mm-hmm. So... I mean the Giants made no bones about it. I mean they go with the Richmond quarterback as the backup quarterback, they go with Alex Tanny. Trick shot Alex Tanny who's been on a zillion teams. We signed him when I was in Cleveland in December when we lost players. He was on Dallas's practice squad at the time. I mean he's a, you know, an interesting kid. He's worked hard, does a bunch of trick shots with and, and put them up on YouTube, but I mean he made their team. He beat Davis Webb out. That's scary. That's scary. And so, look, the Giants, it all comes down to one thing. Can Eli do it? Because Mm -hmm. when the Giants, some of these teams, when the Giants or the Rams or the Cowboys, if they lose their starter, their season's over.
0: And it is interesting because we thought that the Giants would make a play to try to find that number two guy. And a lot of people expected Davis Webb to be that number two guy. Obviously, that is not the case as it stands right now still goes back to the Teddy Bridgewater situation. We both thought there might be a chance they could have made a play for him. Um, it, what is the value for the Jets to have a guy like Davis Webb come in just to just to have a guy that was in, you know, across the town to come in from the NFC to to be in your quarterback room? Or is it? Just I don't know give why Davis Webb would happen? sign with the Jets. He's yeah. never
1: going to play. Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback there forever. Yeah. I mean, where are you going to be? <laughs> I mean, you've got no chance to compete. I mean, why wouldn't you sign with Miami? You might be Tannehill out you know, maybe Miami didn't want him. I'm just throwing that out. Why not sign with Buffalo? Maybe you could be Josh Allen out or maybe sign with Dallas. You could be Connor Rush out. I don't know. It, I mean, there was a lot of talk that he was, that teams were interested in trading for him. But, but he went with the Jets, and so maybe because he's got an apartment in Hoboken, and it's an easy commute to, to Florham Park, I don't know. He doesn't have to move. I don't know his family situation, so I can't speak for that, but why would the Jets do it? You know, it's maybe they get a young quarterback to be the backup, kind of a little bit like Jacoby Brissett was the backup to Jimmy Garoppolo, and then it gives him some flexibility. I, I don't really understand. You get another the California
0: guy in the room with Darnold, maybe. That, that'll work out. And plus, New York City is a beautiful place. I just had a great time there, so yeah, I, well, I don't blame him for not well, one guy.
1: I think it's awesome, but I, I think this, to me, the backup, the Jets, the Giants, their inability to... to they claim six guys at the waiver wire, Tate Frazier. Mm-hmm. When you claim six guys, and I'm all for claiming guys, I think this. I think you got to make 10 moves with your football team from the time you start training camp until the end of the year. you got to make 10s. Now, not all 10 are for the current team. These moves don't necessarily impact the team currently, they impact the next year's team. So you have to have two depth charts in your office. You've got to really pay close attention to what your offensive line look like the next year because you want to be able to have at least a semblance of 10 offensive linemen that can go out and execute under contract. However, the Giants, you know, they claim six guys at the cut. They claim three corners. If Jacksonville doesn't line up the first play of the game in three receivers and make the Giants go to nickel and see who their third corner is and how they're going to treat this, then they're doing themselves a disservice. The Giants have to prove that they can cover people. I'm not sure they can. That counts Eli Apple. They have one legitimate cover guy the way I watch him on tape, and that's Janoris Jenkins. Can Eli Apple, is he gonna have last year's season or is he gonna have his rookie season? It remains to be seen. And that third corner is huge. And you got to be able to match up. I think that's hard for the Giants.
0: And how much does that uh, actually play out in the real time? You know, you talk about a, a team. Do they look at the waiver pickups of the Giants? If you are the Jaguars, and if you're if you're Coughlin and, and you're Marone and you're down in Jacksonville and you're seeing these waiver pickups, do you really have that? And you say, look, we need to try to attack this in our game plan. Do you change things because of that? Yo,
1: absolutely. I mean, look, they they're telling you what they think by their waiver claims. They think they don't have a corner, so you make a tape on all those guys. They claim the corner from Cleveland. They claim the corner from New Orleans. You know, so they you go through you watch those guys on tape, you study them and say, okay, how are they going to match up to us and how would they play us in this situation? And then that's how you... T- I mean, you look, it's no different than basketball. Find the matchup you like and then stick with it and then create a game plan around that matchup. They're telling you they don't have a third corner. I mean, B.W. Webb's been on seven teams in, in, in a very short career. Mm-hmm. You know, the other kid that they have... He's been on IR the year before. So they don't really have a guy that you say, Oh, wait a minute. Whereas Tennessee, Tennessee's got Logan Ryan paid him huge money. They got Malcolm Butler paid him huge money. Oh, and they drafted a Dory Jackson, the first pick in the first round pick. So they got three corners that you know they got three corners that are, that are well paid and well compensated. So if you go to nickel, they can pretty much match you. This team can't.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Let's talk about another quarterback that uh, he is out. He is cut as well from the Denver Broncos. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest, you know, first round quarterback busts, you know, not not necessarily a bust already, but just as far as what everyone expected when he went to the Broncos, people thought Paxton Lynch would be their guy uh, in Denver under John Elway. He now gets let go. And looking around the league, I mean, the Bills are a team that may have interest in someone like Paxton Lynch, but what is his market? And obviously, he's going to go through waivers, and we'll see where he is. Yeah, I mean, he
1: had to go through waivers because nobody wants to claim a guy who's got guaranteed guaranteed contracts. Mm -hmm. So he's through waivers. I mean, look, I think his personality has never really been endearing to any teammate. He's got to prove that he can play faster. He's a little bit like that Davis Webb situation where he doesn't play quite fast enough. He's a seven-on-seven type quarterback. And look, the Look, you could look Elway played the position as well as anybody's ever played it in the history of the game, but he's having as much trouble evaluating it as anybody else. He doesn't quite know what he wants from the position. He keeps looking for himself. There's not many John Elways floating out there. Paxton Lynch wasn't one of them. A lot of people were concerned about Paxton Paxton Lynch's ability to lead and handle things at Memphis. He he was not endearing himself to some teams personality-wise. And I think that showed up in Denver. Even though Dallas tried to trade up to get him and there was a lot of interest in him, I don't think that was the case. I think to me, this kid's got all backup written over him and he just wasn't tough enough to fight through the tough times in Denver. I mean, look, I'll say this again. Denver is so lucky that Brock Osweiler didn't take that deal because not only would they have been in cap hell, they would still be in quarterback hell. At least now they're not in cap hell. That badly,
0: and they have Case Keenum, who's coming in basically to to be what Case Keenum has been, which is
1: a backup quarterback. Uh, yeah,
0: and a manager. Yeah, a mercenary, honestly, for for, yeah. for the time uh, being. You call is it a stopgap until you find your guy.
1: Can he do it? I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not like I think that Denver still needs a quarterback. I know they paid Case Keenum, and we I know, know
0: Case is ceiling, right?
1: Now, Case is there. Gary Kubiak drafted him. Gary's in the organization. Gary sees himself in Case Keenum. That's what happens all the time with quarterbacks, especially guys evaluate quarterbacks. They want to see themselves. I mean, this was Gruden in, 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 in Oakland. I mean, he wanted him, you know, he played at Dayton. He want, You know, this is how he played. He wanted guys to play like him. Now he's got Carr, way different than him. But most of the time, these guys, they want players that play like them. Case Keenum is a lot like Gary Kubiak. That's how he played. I don't know if it's going to work when you got to play some really good teams.
0: And let's talk about another guy. You mentioned uh, the Cowboys tried to trade up for Pax and Lynch. They also tried to trade up for Connor Cook. Uh, who ends a disaster. Up, who ends up getting cut uh, out of the Raiders, we remember. And him. the
1: Raiders traded all those picks to get up to get Connor Cook mm-hmm. with the Tennessee Titans. I mean, look, Look, we all make mistakes. Cook
0: was the cousins 2.0. Right, we all make
1: mistakes in draft. Look, I'm not here to say you know this guy. Look, we all make them. Okay, and I and look, the quicker you identify your mistakes, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. Give Denver credit; they saw it. It didn't work with Paxton Lynch. Move on. Even though they take Kevin Hogan, I mean, here's a guy, Kevin Hogan, drafted in the fifth round by the Chiefs, gets cut, goes to Cleveland, gets cut, gets traded to Washington, then gets cut. I mean, you replaced your first round pick with a guy who's a journeyman already after three years, you know, that's not that's not a huge endorsement.
0: Yeah, and it gets into the same vein as what we saw with the, the New York Giants and their Davis Webb situation. Uh, there, there's not that many new starting quarterbacks. Obviously, there's some things that will uh, fluctuate and change over time, but we do have Nathan Peterman. He's probably the biggest one uh, who has been announced as the starter. Um, you, you mentioned him uh, earlier. And we Peterman, you know, we, we always make the jokes about him having the, the loan game, you know, against L.A. where he threw the five picks. But Peterman, you know, can at least make the adjustments at the line and do some of the veteran savvy stuff That you need to have from your QB. So he's a new starting quarterback in the league. We also have Case Keenan, we just mentioned with the Broncos. But as far as that goes, those are probably the two biggest names that are new faces, new places, kind of. And then of course you got Sam Darnold. Of course. Yes. And then we got the
1: great Sam Darnold who's going to start. He played in the preseason like a veteran. So it'll be interesting. And and look, there couldn't be a better team to play for Sam Darnold to open it up with than Detroit. It's not going to be, you know, they know New England's defense really well. It's going to be New England's style of defense in Detroit. They'll have a good handle on it. I'm sure he'll be well prepared to play in the game. And whether they have enough skill players on offense for the Jets remains to be seen, but at least it'll be a chance for him to be familiar with what he's faced against.
0: And I will say, I brought this up last week for all the Tom Savage fans. I am very, very sorry. I'm very disappointed. Teddy Bridgewater now on the team. Tom Savage does get cut, does get waived. Hopefully there's a future for Tom out there. But Uh, uh, It's going to be hard for Tom. It's going to be hard. A lot of quarterbacks on the market, a lot of people to keep an eye on. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and run through some of the veterans that have re-signed, some of the veterans that have been let go, and also preview the Falcons and the Eagles that are coming up thursday night quick break one more break to talk about snickers you know that guy who whines about the rest before the game even starts the guy whose game day ritual is wearing giants themed underwear and nothing else I'm pretty sure that's eli manning or that friend who got a super bowl champs tattoo for the losing team yeah that guy turns out he was just hungry get the man a snickers and get your game back on track with limited edition nfo hunger bars I am really enjoying the fact that Snickers is sponsoring this podcast because I need all the energy I can get to keep up with all things happening in the NFL, changing and changing and changing each and every day. Get a Snickers NFL Hunger Bar today in a store near you back to GM Street. And we are back. We got to talk about uh, one of the best duos uh, in the NFL as far as the quarterback tight end relationship. Um, And that is, of course, the great Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates decides to come back and return to football for his Wow, can't even believe this. His 16th season in football, um, and it looks like he is still uncertain for week one, but will practice uh, Wednesday, tomorrow, September 5th. He will be back uh, in a Chargers uniform at practice with Phillip Rivers by his side. Um, just in general, having Gates come back to that locker room and having him on that offense, I mean, it's like having a coach on the field at yeah. this point.
1: I mean, they needed Hunter Hunter Henry went down, so they needed somebody to come in there. I mean, I can't believe Gates has played this long in the career. I can still remember talking to Nick Saban when he was talking about how this kid was... At Kent State, and how, when he was the head coach at Kent State, he was playing, and and uh, uh, and so you know he knew about him. He was recruiting him, and 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 so Nick knew all about this kid's career in high school and what a great player he was. Even though he, you know, he was he ended up being a basketball player. So it's tremendous that he's played this long, but. Look, he's going to be a receiver. It's going to have to be – they know what he can do. They know his effectiveness. I think it's going to be more of a red zone situation. And I, but I think they really need this kind of player to help their locker room. The other player I think they really need is another guy that got cut, Dan Bailey. Mm-hmm. Like, how are the Chargers not signing Dan Bailey?
0: They need a kicker. That's all we saw last year. Every single time we watched the, <laughs> the Chargers, it seemed like they were, lead- Phillip Rivers was leading them down the field for a moment for them to get a kick to win the game, and of course, you know, we, we saw Youngway Koo, unfortunately, didn't quite work out for them. They, they've gone through all these iterations of kickers, but Dan Bailey is a proven a proven top-tier kicker in this league, even though, you know, he just got released by the Cowboys. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Cowboys are worried about his back, right? The Cowboys are worried that he's got an injuries on the downslide. He's 30 years old. He missed, I think he missed under five kicks this summer at training camp. He made the only kick they Allowed him to kick. He's consistent. He's the player. You know, he works hard. He's one of the true Cowboys. This is an interesting move by the Cowboys to go with an unproven guy from Nebraska, Brett Mayer, I believe is how you say his name, uh, you know, to, to think that he's going to come in and do this, especially when, you know, you had Dan Bailey. That was like automatic points. And I'm not sure the Cowboys have enough explosive players. Now, they tell me Tavon Austin is going to be the real deal. I'm going to wait and see that one. But You know, they don't have enough explosive players to think that they're going to generate touchdowns. They need those field goals. And if this kid doesn't have the reliability that... Bailey's had in his career I and mean, look when you're worried about a guy getting hurt during the season and you're just predicting it then I, I'm not sure that works out sometimes guys fully, especially a guy who works as hard as Bailey does
0: and we have said this uh, we looked at that Cowboys team and we talked about how much of a transition it will be for those Cowboys you know in the building where you lose Witten you lose Des like all the do all the, you lose Dan Bailey now all these guys that have been around right. that organization for so long and have basically been the pillars of the franchise are now out of the building and now, now we're going to see what this team is and what it means for Dak and Zeke to be the leaders. Right. And
1: we're going to see what it means to be Jason Garrett's going to have to rebuild a team. He's going to recreate a culture. He's going to have to do all these things that make the team successful and see what he can do it and see how he controls the team. You know, Dak, you know, Dak's got to me, Dak is, I I don't ever think Dak's the the problem. I always think Dak's the solution. So at least they have the quarterback. Lenahan's under a lot of pressure to make this offense go. I don't know if he's got enough skill to make it go when he starts to play the good teams who take him away, take away what he likes to do Elliot's a great player but we all know that unless the running back has some help on the outside it becomes even more it becomes more difficult for him to when we know the we guy. can
0: put nine guys in the box to stop you
1: or yeah we can stop him or we you know he's going to be he's going to be an impact in the passing game but to me you know in their defense we talk about this again their defense is good I think their defense has a real chance I think the Cowboys if they manage the game correctly have a chance to win some games I really do I think they got a better team I worry about the field goal kicker. I worry about their game decisions, game management. And I worry about their skill on offense. Those are my concerns.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I will say this, just about the Chargers. We just brought up losing a guy like Dan Bailey. You know, Antonio Gates has been a mentor. I know personally for Keenan Allen, been a mentor for Gordon. Like all a lot of those young guys that are stars in Los Angeles for the Chargers, they look up to Gates and they really have a great respect for Gates. And to get him back in the locker room, it does wonders for a team like right. that. Right,
1: and that's a great point, Dave Frazier, because I think this, look, your locker room really feeds off of confidence. Mm -hmm. And this is my point about Caleb Sturgis. Like, if you brought Dan Bailey into that locker room, everybody knows who Dan Bailey is in the league. They know he's automatic. There's an air of confidence in There's an air of confidence. Right now, you're hoping that Caleb Sturgis makes the kick. And, you know, never confuse hope for a plan, right? Never confuse hope for a plan. They're hoping he's going to do it. They're hoping he's going to come through. Whereas I truly believe, unless I'm missing it with Bailey's health, I believe Bailey would be a short-term solution for the Chargers and give confidence to a locker room and confidence to the team that they really need. Because what happens to them is when you get in that fourth quarter, their confidence tends to wane a little bit. And can they win those close games? I don't know. To me, it's a risky move by the Chargers.
0: And they have a little bit of a, they always looked a little bit shell shocked and you almost feel bad for Philip Rivers. Cause you, you always see him on the sideline right. as something is happening. And it just seems like whatever could go wrong, will go wrong at a certain point. And yeah. uh, that's what the Chargers have been living in for, for quite some time, as we all know, cause we've watched a lot of those games. Um, let's talk about Thursday night. So that is the first game of the NFL season. It is the Falcons versus the Eagles. A lot of people are very excited about this game. Of course, to see football return. We have the Matt Ryan situation, the $30 million man coming out and showing in the world what he can do uh in the pocket. We obviously have the whole Carson Wentz situation. We're still trying to figure that out. Most people most all signs point to the fact that obviously Nick Foles will be the starting quarterback. The Super Bowl MVP will be out there. Um what's the what's the number one thing we're looking for in this game on Thursday?
1: Uh, you know, look, I, everybody says preseason is is insignificant. Last year in the preseason, the Eagles Carson Wentz averaged 10.5 yards per attempt, okay? He had a 125 quarterback rating. He threw three touchdown passes, you know, a guy this year that, to me, Cincinnati's a team that's fascinating because Andy Dalton, who in 2017 was a disaster mm-hmm. in the pre- 67 quarterback rating, I think about a five yards per attempt through threw, no touchdowns, had an interception. This year, Andy Dalton, has had Carson Wentz-like numbers, 10 and a half yards per attempt, 130 quarterback rating, three touchdown passes. I mean, he's played really well. So we dismiss preseason so much that we ignore it. The Eagles, my point here is the Eagles in preseason have not looked like the Eagles. Their offensive line isn't playing at the same level that it played last year. I think that Doug Peterson realizes that the, he's ramped it up. You could just see his tone to the media hasn't been very cooperative this week. I mean, he knows they're not at the same place they were this time last year. They need to get there in a hurry. And so I think that that's the challenge for Philadelphia. Carson Wentz, he's not ready to play. He's had too much to me to put on his plate. Stop asking the question. Let Foles play. And can Foles play better than he did in preseason? Can they game plan? Because that game really, when you go back and rewatch that game tape, the Eagles were fortunate. Because of the last four minutes of both halves. I mean, they the Falcons have the ball at the end of the first half, first and ten at, the, at midfield. Mm-hmm. And all they need to do is, you know, run the clock, get the And what happens is they don't run the clock very well. They punt. They did the interception that comes off the head and they give up three points at the end of the half. And then we all know, I don't understand, Tay Frazier, how people don't bring up the play calling at the end of the game for the Falcons. Like, I still don't understand how that's still not on people's tongue.
0: And a lot of people were pointing to the fact that they didn't have Shanahan, right? I mean, that that was the, the this is what he does with this team. And, and obviously the jokes we made about, you know, well, 28 to three, what was he doing then? But at the same time, Cal Shanahan and my, Matt Ryan had this beautiful thing going. Right. And then we saw last year what it was like when they, they didn't quite, you know, we, we had Sarkeesian in there making the
1: calls. Right. And I think this, I think, look, Haloti Nata is a good player. He's not not the same player he once was. Mm -hmm. And they're going to miss Tim Jernigan early in the season with his lower back. That's going to be a problem. Now, maybe Michael Bennett can fill in a little bit. Michael Bennett doesn't have the same level that he once did. He's still a good player. So it's going to be interesting to see the front of this team and that humidity in Philadelphia, which you saw about Roger Federer talked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be there Thursday night. How much step they have in that defensive line. That's where they won. Their secondary is Malcolm Jenkins, and they got to get to the rush. They got to turn the ball over. Can the Eagles duplicate that this year? And can Matt Ryan get the ball to Calvin Ridley? Can he get the ball to the other receivers and move it? I think that's going to be the key to the game. The Eagles are not where they were last year. The Falcons weren't where they were last year either on offense. They haven't had the most productive preseason. So it's going to be interesting to see who's really been saving it and what they have in store. I, I, I think the Falcons' defense will play well this game.
0: And I will I will say one thing I I want to watch is Jay Ajayi, who has been getting most of the reps in practice this week he's expected to get the bulk of the carries we want to see what that line looks like with the Jai behind it from the start of a season obviously we had the mid season trade and, right. and it sort of went from there but this will be the first time we see if the run game can really be uh, the cornerstone of that offense right. and, and
1: look Vitae played left tackle and you know Jason Peters hasn't played is he going to play is he well enough to play can mm-hmm. he come back where is he you know it's one thing P- fans look at it and say well they'll get Peters back or they'll get Jeffrey back but 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 the the player that they remember may not be the player that's coming back right away. It may be. It may happen down the road. It may happen a week from now. It may happen two weeks from now. But it may not be quite there. It needs game reps. I mean, all these guys need live situations to be play better. That's why we all bitch about September games. I mean, get ready for everybody to start bitching about the quality of play in September. Well, the reason the quality of play in September stinks so bad is because nobody's played in August. That's why.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get to the point where you know, let's say the, the Falcons, you know, have a great game and beat the Eagles, and it gets the redemption. And then people are going to be down on the Eagles. And as we know, the first five weeks are really building your team to see what you really are, and it, right. it's still working through everything, and then once we get to week five, we'll really know what these teams are, and right. we'll go from and that, there.
1: And then you can figure it out. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Well, this has uh, been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. From now on, for the rest of the season, we should say, uh, a little cleanup duty here. We will be doing Tuesdays, we will be doing Fridays, we will be doing previews for the games on Friday. Tuesdays, we'll be wrapping up everything we saw from the week before, and just news and storylines around the league. Um, anything else, Lombardi, before we get no, out of here? No, I'm looking forward
1: to the game. I'm looking forward to uh, watching football on Thursday night. I'm looking forward to got a Ted talk in Santa Barbara. I'm jacked about. Love it. Yeah. It's going to be hard to, I got to memorize it. Tate Frazier, you know, me in memorization. I mean, I, I, you know,
0: it's going to be great. I need to Skype into that.
1: Yeah. Well, good luck. I don't know. I'm Uh, I'm a little nervous about that one.
0: No, don't get nervous. You'll be great. Um, We're very excited for football to be back. We're very excited for you to join us for another season of NFL football. We love doing this podcast. We love all the people that are listening to us and we will be back on Friday.
1: Thank you.